Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're glad you're with us here in uh, Big Pine and Key West and Williston and Ocala. Or if you're watching on the Internet, we're thankful to have a few moments together. As we can, uh, we're going to begin actually a new sort of Bible study series on the kingdom of God. And uh, uh, Jesus came with, with this message and, and ministry. The kingdom of God is here. And, and ultimately, everything else in the New Testament is kind of commentary to this message. Jesus came uh, proclaiming it. We're going to look at verses that talk about that. And then he came and demonstrated the kingdom. His, his ministry just sort of uh, demonstrated the, the things that he was saying. The kingdom of God is here. And because the kingdom of God is here, all these things are possible. Miracles are possible. The sick being healed are possible. The, the blind seeing is possible. All those things are possible. So... His, his words and his works lined up. His ministry and his message lined up. And, and that's what he talks about. And uh, as you read through the, the New Testament in particular, especially the Gospels, you'll see that that's what Jesus is talking about virtually all the time. The kingdom of God. He, he says the kingdom of God is here or near over and over again. He, he, he talks about in the, in the parables, uh, all the parables are about what the kingdom is like. And he was making sure his disciples understood um, why is it important to us today? Well, it's still central to the ministry. When, when Jesus sent out the, uh, the disciples, and, and uh, uh, they were told to go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. That's the good news that Jesus is here. Uh, and they were also commissioned to go out and do the same things that Jesus did, to pray for the sick, to, to cast out demons, to, to be involved in all of those things. And guess what? We're still commissioned to do those very same things today. But we need to understand the basis and the authority with which we do it under. So all of that is uh, important in, in understanding and learning about the kingdom of God and how it relates to the whole of Scripture. And so uh, in these first uh, couple of sessions, I have to kind of give you quite a bit of Scripture. Uh, it's there in your announcements, so you're not having to turn to it quite so much. But I encourage you to go uh, over the weeks ahead and take those bulletins with you and read the passages of Scripture in context. That means read what was happening before those verses, Read what's happening afterwards so you get a better picture, an idea of the story of what's happening. And, and with an understanding then uh, in place of the kingdom of God, it helps us to, to understand and define virtually everything that we do and what we believe. And so it all sort of comes from, from having this concept and understanding. Uh, the kingdom of God is rooted in the Old Testament. The prophets declared the kingdom as a day in which men and women would live together in peace when social problems would pass away and evil uh, evil would pass away and social problems would be solved. Isaiah 2.4, I think, is the first verse I have in your announcements. Uh, and it says, He will judge between the nations and will, dis- and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Isaiah 11:6 says the wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. And so e- even back in the Old Testament we, we see the where the, the kingdom of God is rooted. Um, when Jesus was teaching about the kingdom, the people he was talking to had a concept of the kingdom of God, but it was kind of limited and and uh, what they were thinking of and, and most of you have seen this, you know the the people of Israel had a great rise to uh, sort of national power uh, back in the times of King David and King Solomon. They were it. They were happening. But after that time, um, things went started to go downhill 
for Israel. And uh, ultimately the kingdom was divided into two. And from there it just continued to weaken and weaken. And, and when Jesus came back, uh, at that point in time, Israel still existed, but it was completely occupied uh, by uh, Rome. And uh, they were um, allowed to uh, continue to have some form of semblance of, of their faith, semblance of their faith. But they had to report to Rome, and they were under constant oppression. Um, when, when Jesus came, remember the question the disciples kept kind of going to him is, you know, when are you going to step up and take the throne? When are you going to come and take over again? When are you going to kick these people out of here? When are we going to be reestablished as a great nation? And, and you remember Jesus saying was, it's not time for that yet. And so they, they had an understanding of uh, the kingdom of God, but not quite uh, of the timing of, of how we need to understand it. See, ultimately what happened was when Jesus came, the first time, he's only been here once, that when Jesus came, he inaugurated the kingdom of God. That's why he was saying the kingdom of God is here. It was. In, in, in Jesus, it was here. But the kingdom's not fully here yet. It's coming when he comes back completely. When Jesus comes back the next time, all those prophecies that you read about in the Old Testament, all of them are going to be fulfilled. He's fulfilled some of them with his first coming. And we'll need to see that. When he comes back again, everything else gets fulfilled. Those ones I just read you, all those things happen again. Everything gets restored. And ultimately, Jesus will hand the kingdom back to his Father. Let me just go off track here one time. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 15. And we'll talk about this verse a little more next week. But, but the, the culmination of everything happens in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 22, oh, 21. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and following. It says, For since death came through a man, that's Adam, right? The resurrection of the dead comes also through man, Jesus. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ the firstfruits. We've talked about that in the past. If you've missed that discussion, we talk about it in the feast. Jesus was the, the firstfruits of many, uh, fulfilling uh, one of the feasts, the, the feast of firstfruits, by his resurrection. Uh, then when he comes, uh, when he comes, now they're talking about when Jesus comes back, all right? So we're kind of setting that up. Christ the firstfruits, that's already happened. When he comes, talking about his return. Uh, those who belong to him, then, then when he comes to gets it, gets the, the bridegroom comes for the bride, right? We're going to meet with him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Okay, so um, here's, here's ultimately what happens. Just so we're all in the same thread. God created the world and it was good, right? There was no problems. Then uh, the, the one little tricky thing that he, he gave to man was the ability to make choices, right? That's a little sticky spot. Uh, <laughs> why did he do that? Because he wanted people to choose to love him. He didn't want that to be the only option. Uh, or else they, you know, you'd never really know. So, so they had this choice. Well, we know what happens. Come around Genesis 3, right? Um, Adam and Eve are deceived and they fall. And, and all the authority that had been given to them was taken away. Who took it? The evil one took it. B because of that act, he got it. He had authority. Here. And, and when Jesus comes back, he defeats the evil one. He takes authority back and he gives it back to us. He gives it to the church. All right? 
to to stay and to do the things until his return. Now, you would think, well, okay, if the enemy was defeated at that point, why does he still seem to have some uh, ability to do some stuff? Well, he does until Jesus comes back. And we'll look at that. It's kind of like in World War II, uh, the big battle, D-Day, I think, or, or one, I think there was a big battle. When that battle happened, virtually the war was won. We were, we were assured of victory. But for the next year, there were lots of battles and lots of people died until the, the, it was fully clear. But see, it had been in place. It just had to sort of work itself out. Well, that's what's happened. Jesus has come, and, and until he comes back, the enemy is still doing stuff, and we'll see that. But we've been given a, a measure of authority over that process. When he comes back completely, it gets all wiped out. All right, He gets taken care of completely. And so what Jesus is doing now is he's, he's taking back, and, and he's going to set everything right when he comes back. Everything's going to get set right. And then he's going to hand everything back. To the Father, and it'll be complete like it was in the beginning. See, that's the that's the process. So we're in this this line, and we'll be talking about a lot of that in the days ahead because there's some terms you need to know and and some things that we believe and why we believe them are all sort of figured out in in that line. All right. So I, I hope I'm not too confusing, but it'll make more sense if you stick with me every week. Okay. And so um, so Jesus comes, and and he begins his public ministry, and in Mark 1:14. Uh, it's in your verses there. You, you see this. After Jesus was baptized, it said, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. In Matthew 4, we, we see uh, uh, the ministry of Jesus in, in, in 423 and 935 put sort of very summarily or succinctly. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogue, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. 935 of Matthew. Jesus went all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. He's sort of letting you know this is what Jesus did. Jesus preached the good news of the kingdom. You know what the good news is? Jesus has come. And, and, and people no longer need to be in bondage. And, and, you know, I think it's fascinating. In the Old Testament, the enemy is scarcely referred to. I think there's four times in very veiled ways that the enemy is referred to in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, he's referred to a lot. Uh, and, and he begins to pick up and you start to see uh, references to demonic activity and everything. Um, and I think what happens is when Jesus comes, the darkness is exposed. See, people had sort of gotten to a place where they just thought that was what life was all about. And, and they had sort of accepted it, uh, all those things. But when Jesus comes, he exposes all that stuff for what it really is. And, and, and all of a sudden, it's, it's, uh, people begin to see because the light has come and, and it's begun to expose the darkness. And so Jesus comes and he begins to tell people the good news. You, you can have relationship with God again. You can, you can be restored. You can, uh, this is what God has wanted all along was relationship with you. It's going to be possible again. And it's going to be possible now. That's the good news of the kingdom. We understand it. And then he not only told them that, he demonstrated it by praying for people and things would happen. And, and people would see things. These things still happen today. We don't believe they've ever stopped. Uh, we, we still believe that you can pray for people and that they can be made well. That you can pray for people that are demon-oppressed and they can be set free. That you can, you can pray for people that can't see and they can see. You can pray for people that can't hear and they can hear. You can pray for all those things and we're to pray for all those things. Where we get a little messed up sometimes is we pray for someone and it doesn't happen. Then what do we do? 
And that's what we have to begin to understand when we talk about the kingdom. And see, we, we need to understand God's sovereignty, and we need to understand how, how we come about having some faith in the process, but ultimately learning to trust in God. And, and what we're going to do is learn how to borrow from all the stuff that when Jesus comes back and everything gets fulfilled, faith is borrowing from that and saying, God, you're going to do that then anyway. Would you do it now? I believe you can. I know you can. And I'm asking you to do it now. And that's how we pray. We're praying, borrowing on that faith. We'll in detail talk about the Lord's Prayer. Most of you know the Lord's Prayer. You, you learned it no matter where you were or what you're... What, I, I learned it as a kid and we were as pagan as they come. And, and, uh, uh, <laughs> and then some. Um, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as it is in heaven. I wanted to get to this point. That's why I went so fast. Give us this day our daily bread. You all know that part? Do you know that that's much better translated? Give us today the bread of tomorrow. And so what he was literally asking for was all that stuff that you're going to do, do it today. When you come back, everything's getting straight out. Do it today. And that's how we're to pray. We're always praying for God. Do it today. And so, um, but I'm getting ahead of myself because I get excited about that stuff. So anyway, we're heading to that. So he's, he's out there and he's doing this stuff and he's showing everybody this stuff. And then, then he said to his disciples, all right, now you go out and do this stuff. Matthew 10, 1, he called his 12 disciples to him, gave them authority, drive out evil spirits and heal every disease and sickness. He said, you go out and preach the gospel of the kingdom. And then you back it up by praying for people and taking care of business. And, uh, huh? He cranked it up a notch. He sent out the 12, then he sent out the 70 or the 72, depending on your translation. And guess what? We're still commissioned. Great commission. Now you guys go do it. That's us. And do these things. Preach the good news. Tell them what's happened. Tell them that Jesus has come. Tell them that there's, there's a, 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 a place for a relationship with them. Pray for them. See these things happen and take place in your lives. Um, so the, the, the kingdom was frequently on the lips of Jesus, and it was central to his proclamation. And and his words were designed to demonstrate for us how to enter the kingdom. Matthew 5.20 For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the laws, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. He's saying you're never going to be good enough in your own. You can't do it. Apart from me, you're not going to make it. Matthew 7.21 Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's always been kind of a tough verse, isn't it? Woo! That'll make you go, hmm. It's all about having a relationship with Jesus. And, and uh, you know, he was, he was coming and he was setting everything upside down. Remember, by the time Jesus came, everything had become about rules and regulations. Everything. And that's how they measured spirituality. And it was a non-spirituality. It was, it was a works doctrine. It had been corrupted by the enemy at that point. Um, that's what he was doing. He was, he was making it. And, you know, Jesus said, you're making it impossible for people to come to God. Because there's too many rules. There's too many regulations. It's, it's, people can't do it. And so they don't do it. And, and uh, he came to, to set us free from that. Does that mean we can go do whatever we want to do? Well, of course not. Because some things aren't good for us. They're not beneficial. The Bible says some crazy things. Like, you know, all things are permissible, but not everything's beneficial. There's a grace now, but, but not to go out and sin. It's a grace to, to go out and live life. Uh, in the kingdom of God. To experience what we were intended to experience. All along, which is a relationship with God and, and a fullness of life in a fallen world at this point. Um, so, so his words told people how, how they were going to do it, how they'd get in. And, and uh, um, his, his works authenticated that the kingdom was actually present in his ministry. Matthew twelve twenty eight says, if I drive out 
demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. His parables talk about the mysteries of the kingdom, Matthew thirteen eleven. He replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. His prayers modeled for his disciples the desires of heart, which is the kingdom would come to earth. Matthew 6, 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His death, resurrection, and ascension make us instruments of the kingdom. Acts 1, 8, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And his second coming promises the consummation of the kingdom for his children. Matthew twenty-five thirty-one: When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on the throne in heavenly glory. Verse 34, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. See how that begins all to tie together? It was created for us. The enemy stole it. Jesus has got it back for us. And when he comes, it's going to get all the way returned. So that's sort of the process of things that happen. And as you read the scripture, you can see what happens. You can see where it started. And you can see where it's happened. And that there's this cosmic conflict that's going on today. And, And, you know, we have trouble sort of relating to it sometimes. Um... See, because we tend to get very natural in our thinking. And so we saw all these things happening in the world, and we don't give it much depth of thought. But, but it's ultimately, there's a much bigger battle going on for the souls of, of people. And, and the enemy's trying to take down as many as he can. That's his goal. That's all he's got left. And yet Jesus has come to save, to rescue as many as, as can be rescued. And we're here to do that. And, and so, you know, sometimes you can look at all this stuff that's happening and you've got to see that there's, there's something behind it. There's a, there's a force behind it. And, and we need to be aware of it and not just go, oh, uh, that, that's why we're commissioned to go and do what we can to bring light into the darkness. You know, and, and you can see, well, it's too overwhelming. One person at a time. You know, we, we've, uh, we've done that literally here. You've seen that. If you've ever been here when we do a candlelight service, you watch what light does to darkness. The room will be completely black. You light one candle, it'll start to light up. As the light spreads, the entire room illuminates because light always penetrates the darkness. It overpowers it. And it it just takes that to happen. And so we have that going on. Now, I want to just define two things today and then we'll we'll, uh, we'll get out of here today and and next week we'll we'll talk more about the the cosmic conflict. And then from there we're going to build into all kinds of neat stuff. Okay. So... um, when, when I talk about kingdom, most people in our culture, when they hear about a kingdom, uh, they, they think about a realm over which a king rules. Uh, a a modern-day example that's sort of right, but not quite right, because it's really not a king anymore, but anyway, you get the idea, is like the United Kingdom, made up of many nations, Great Britain, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales, and, and uh, the people that live in that kingdom are the subjects of the king or the queen who exercises his authority over his or her subjects. That's the idea of kingdom. Um, there's modern-day kingdoms. Um, Jordan, I think, is still a kingdom. Uh, um, there's some other ones. And, and so um, when, when people talk about kingdom, sometimes we think of a, of a realm, and that's not really a good definition for us and, as we talk about Jesus and the kingdom of God, because he's not talking about a literal place. Uh, he, he's talking about something different. Now, when he restores it and it goes back to its father, then it becomes a realm once again. But right now, what he's talking about is, is the reign or the rule of God. And, and um, 
the definition of kingdom in the different dictionary is actually this. The reign or rule of a king, uh, the reign or rule a king has over his subjects. And this is much closer to the primary meaning in the Hebrew and Greek words. Um, I don't know that you need to know them, but the, the Hebrew word for kingdom is Malkut, and the Greek word is Basileia. Um, and, and I don't think I'll bring them up a lot, but, but anyway, um, those basically mean the, the, the reign or rule a king has over his subjects. And so um, ultimately when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about the, the power and presence of God in our lives, the, the right to rule over us. And when we come to Christ, when, when we ask him to be our Lord, that's what we're asking him to do. We're, we're, we're saying you have the right to rule over my life. You have the authority. And, and that's sort of stepping into his kingdom. And that's the reign rule kind of idea that we're under in the kingdom of God at this point in time. It's, it's God's right and authority to rule over us. Something that we give him uh, willingly when we come to him and, and uh, is to put ourselves under his lordship. What does that mean? It's sort of like we're supposed to be reporting for duty every day. <laughs> I mean, that's what it really means to live in the kingdom. God, I'm here. What do you want from me today? Because it's all about you. And, and ultimately, my life is yours. So what, what do you have for me today? And so we sort of have to have that concept down. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the kingdom of God. We're talking about the reign and the rule, the, the authority, the, the right of his authority to rule in our lives. All right, so that's enough information for today. And uh, we'll dig on it some more next week. Okay, so go to on that. If you get a chance, read through these scriptures this week. And, uh, and sort of, uh, I know I've already got you reading the book of James repeatedly, but read through there and sort of get those in context, and we'll get back to it when we get back together. Okay, pass up your prayer request to me. If you're here in Big Pine, I'll pray for you. In Key West, you know, Barry will pray for you. And Williston, uh, Scott will pray for you. And Ocala, Johnny and Allison will pray for you. And if you're on the Internet, call us, and we'll pray for you here.